0: You're listening to StidiaCast, a podcast created because a few dedicated Stidia shippers decided that canon just isn't enough. In order to quench our extreme thirst, we review and discuss the hidden gems of Stidia fanfiction. We hope to introduce the fandom to new material while supporting talented authors. This is StidiaCast. Hi, welcome to episode three of Cast. This week, we are going to be talking about voluntary apnea by Laughing Senselessly slash Wells Jaha's Ghost. My name is Rachel. I am Rongasm on Tumblr.
1: I'm Maggie, and I'm Red String Banshee on Tumblr. I'm Claire, and I'm Fudgy the
2: Whale on Tumblr. And I'm Rachel, and I'm madgrad 2011 on Tumblr.
0: So to get started, do you guys want to talk about just your initial thoughts and impressions of this
1: fic? Well, I think I'm a little biased because I have beta this fic for Jade. <laughs> but I um, just think that this whole series as a whole, the, um, the Sweet Dreams series, you guys have to read it. It's just amazing. And I love the fact that Jade like really expanded on Lydia's abilities and created like this world outside of Canon that's Canon compliant, but still like stands on its own. It's just amazing.
2: Yeah. I actually went back and read never going to leave this bed before I, I started voluntary apnea and um, I absolutely fell in love with it. It's the first time I've read this. So it was, it was really great kind of coming to it. And I just really love what she did with Lydia. I mean, I I love Lydia. I think that's probably part of why we're all here, (laughs) because we love Lydia. Um, And I just like what Maggie was saying. I love what she was able to do in terms of expanding on Lydia's powers and talking specifically about the tether between her and Styles and how her powers are affected by that.
3: Yeah, I love um, all of that, but also my favorite thing about this was that This is basically a love story of all of the Stidia moments that we adore so far. Um, You've got the, if you die, I'm gonna go out of my freaking mind. I was so excited that they finally brought that back because I've been waiting for Lydia to say it back to him. Um, You've got the ice skating, you've got like the kiss, you've got just the prom. So, like, every big moment for them and they just kind of relived it and it was
0: wonderful i i I like went in to read this just so excited about the concept um and i think that the the line that like made me know that i was going to just be in love with this is one of the first lines in the beginning of the story when lydia says she was beginning to strongly suspect that she was smarter than everybody else and she's four (laughs) and i went this is is it my favorite lines yeah
1: yeah underlines
0: and
3: then lydia for the win
2: I really love that she did a frame narrative for this because I thought it worked so well because, like I said, going into it, this is the first time I've read it. And, I mean, in her notes, she kind of hints that, you know, they're broken up, but you're not 100% sure what's going on and what how it happened. And so I really liked how she kind of set it up with, okay, they were already broken up, and then you kind of found out later in the, in the middle what actually happened, so I, I really enjoyed that. And one of my favorite bits, too, is towards the beginning, and it, it kind of goes along with that frame narrative idea. And it's the, the whole thing with Lydia loving the roots of the daisies in the meadow. Like, I love that when she, like, my, one of my favorite lines is, Lydia remembers thinking that the roots weren't ugly at all. They were the most beautiful parts, so essential, so fundamental to keeping the flower alive. But she didn't think her mother would understand, so she said nothing. You know, and then at the towards the end, you know, at the very, very end when she goes back into the meadow and, and looks again at the roots and like these these are still here and they're untarnished. I I just really love that imagery.
0: And the fact that like she is the one at the end to have the power to like make the whole meadow just die and the <laughs> roots are still completely like untouched. It's just this beautiful way to open and close it in this beautiful parallel structure because we go on this journey with the characters and then to bring them back to the same they go to the meadow three times and the middle time they're in the meadow they're just like in this really weird place in their relationship where like they're kind of kissing but they're not They have no idea what's going on with them. They're just like, alright, we literally just can't not make out, so we're gonna do this. And the fact that, like, we get from point A, where Lydia's a little kid, point B, to Lydia's in this awful, like, limbo with Styles, And then point C, which is just them being established and happy, and it's, like, gonna be okay, finally. So nice. I love
1: that the
3: meadow and the flowers are also just a metaphor for her. Because that's just, like something so pretty, you could be hiding something so bare and vulnerable, and it's just like, oh god, that kills me. Yeah, you just made my heart
2: flutter a little bit with the way that you Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even think about it that way, but it's true.
3: If I ever heard one.
2: I also love, and I don't know if this is intentional, but I think that, you know, looking at the roots, is also a little bit of a, kind of a parallel to the tether as well, so it's kind of like this connection, mm. what makes it, yeah, to what, makes them real and vulnerable and it it ties them together. So I don't know if that was intentional, but even if not, I I really liked that.
0: So I thought we could talk a little bit about the first, like, dream scene and how we felt about just, like, the horrifying awkwardness of, like, being broken up with someone and ending up, like, seeing them in that area. And I actually really wanted to talk about Styles's characterization in that scene because he's so strangely at ease in a way that you wouldn't expect and i was wondering what you guys were thinking about that whole scenario
1: well first of all like i'm just like internally screaming just thinking about that scene because like as soon as they like woke up and i love the moment where they just wake up they pause they make eye contact for like a brief second and then they both like split and scramble to the opposite sides of the bed and it's just like Oh, oh my God, my, my shipper heart was like exploding. I thought it
2: was, you know, in terms of styles of characterization, I mean, we're really kind of seeing him at that point, I think, through Lydia's eyes. And so I'm one part of me thinks it's, a lot of it has to do with the fact that she's feeling so uncomfortable and, and vulnerable. And so she's kind of perceiving him to be kind of more relaxed, whereas you, we're not really getting to see what his internal monologue is at that moment. Um, so I thought it, it kind of added to Lydia's feelings of discomfort styles of characterization.
0: But I also feel like there's something, I agree with you wholly on that. I also, though, felt like seeing that side of him made me consider just the note of comfort that they've always had with each other. Like, it's so strange the way their relationship developed from this nothing to something that was... this infinitely important thing to both of them with such ease and like it's never really been talked about how much they mean to each other but like everybody knows and they both know and it's just so easy for them and it always has been and the fact that they in this in the context of this fanfic they were together and they aren't anymore it doesn't like completely erase the fact that their default setting is just caring about each other and i just thought styles characterization in that scene just truly just epitomized that and, like, captured it in that moment.
3: I think he's also just really smugly, like, oh, we're doing this again. Like, um, um I think this is cool. Come on. Like, you know st- part of Styles is, like, she dreams about me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, God, the scene where Lydia has a sex room about him that's not, like, one of the fake ones. She just has a sex room about him.
1: And in, like, in the first part of um the series, like... When she first dreams of him, he is, like, just to continue off of what you said, Claire, he is, like, so smug about it and, like, so confident. Like, I'm struggling to talk about it right now because he was just so great. I mean, you guys have to read, like, the series as a whole, but um, I love smug styles. Like, because there is a part of him that realizes, like, you know, that Lydia is beginning to really care for him on, like, a deeper fundamental level and just, like, when he has those moments of realization, it's just, like, ugh, it's my bread and butter. It is just beautiful. I love it.
0: I think that you see that a lot in the locker room scene. Um, And one thing that I thought was really interesting was that as he pulls, like, the darkness in her aura, like, towards him, you can see it manifesting in almost a Nukitsune-like manner. Like, the way he's treating her, it's, like, it's pretty... It's, like, a really weirdly sexual scene, but, like, it works because this is, like, actual styles not possessed styles but he's behaving in a similar manner to the way the Nugitsune was behaving towards Lydia in 323 Insatiable. Yeah, that's the episode name. So, I just I loved him in that scene and I I I thought it was brilliant the way she chose to show the darkness manifesting in Styles and Lydia in two different ways and the way that she showed it in Styles was a way that we've already seen in the context of the show. Like this is a path that he could go down. Do you have any like lines that you want to talk about?
2: I'd love to talk about their second dream, the one in the lacrosse field, especially, you know, Lydia's just kind of primal fear of that and the, the constant kind of association that she makes with the lacrosse field and Peter Hale and just one of the lines that I highlighted was, you know, that is until the lights turn on all at once with a heavy, echoing, damning sound, their constant electrical buzz causing her heart to start beating very, very fast. With the illumination comes the realization that Styles is here too. She sees him distantly on the other end of the field sitting cross-legged on the Nematon. Like, the, the fact that they're both kind of in this moment um, and in places that they both associate with some very dark, terrible places, you know, within their own psyche,
1: I think it's just really, really interesting. Just to continue off that, like, uh, Jay does a phenomenal job of, like, never trivializing the, the pain that Lydia went through with Peter and the pain that they both went through in, in that season in particular. And I just oh my gosh, the way that she just combined both of their kind of tragedies together to like um you know they they were together like through the whole thing without even realizing it and and in their dreams, you know.
3: One of my favorite bits which like simultaneously breaks my heart and heals it with magical super glue is the breakup as much as I hate it. There's just like the minute he basically tells her like, I know you're not, you're not going to stop doing this because that's just who you are. And he accepts that. And so then it says Lydia feels her knees shaking. This word breaks her, his simple and quiet acceptance, ...of the fact, and then her knees buckle under her and she's collapsing from exhaustion, both physical and mental. But he's there to catch her. Like, they just broke up. And he just admitted that he cannot do this anymore because this is literally killing him. But he will pick her up off the ground and bring her to the bed and make sure that she gets home safe.
0: Thinking about how much that must be, like, destroying Styles. like, I can't fathom Styles making the active choice to break up with Lydia after everything they went through to be together. Like, when you imagine all the different events in canon that, like, lead to them finally being a couple, fingers crossed, and then thinking about how all of those moments felt good and are now going to be permanently, in his mind, tarnished because he has to break up with her because he can't do this anymore. Like, he must have been in this exceptional amount of, like, agony staying in a relationship with her in order to get to the point in that relationship where he can't be in it anymore.
2: Part of it, I think, um, I think it eventually becomes an active choice of his, right, to give her space. But, you know, the scene immediately almost preceding that when she goes and she's finding the body on the porch and he's there with her and holding her and they're crying together. I think, you know, in that moment, he actually says, like, God, she's so strong, but he's not, you know? So it's almost like, he sees the strength. He knows that she's stubborn. she He knows that she's determined and that she's willing to do whatever she can do in order to save people. Um, and he he knows that selfishly he can't watch her do that to herself because it's going to destroy him. And I think that in that moment, kind of passively in that moment lets her go and then more actively kind of makes the decision later to be to be kind of more adamant about her taking care of herself and him having to take care of himself, too.
1: That whole scene in general is probably my favorite of the whole story. And I remember just, like, loving the in the very beginning when she was in her kind of banshee-fugue state and Styles was like, okay, we're doing this. Like, it's the middle of the night. Like, let me make sure she's dressed and, like, I'm just going to follow her and protect her, like, as she's going on her way. But that scene with... Um, The kid, you know, who's, like, passed out on the porch and, you know, the rain and everything is my favorite, favorite scene. Just, like, the visual of that is, like, it still sticks with me to this day because it's just, like, them, like, holding onto each other and crying and everything's not okay. And this, you know, this body of this kid who, like, has no idea that they're even there saving their life and, like, going through this turmoil together. Like, oh, God, just even just thinking about it. I love that part. It's my favorite. Yeah, I love the whole imagery of him
2: basically, like, wrapping himself around her to hold her. Like, I can't get enough of that. I just think it's it's beautiful. He says,
0: it's going to kill you, like, over and over again. And I love, like, the one where he goes, "Um, it's going to kill you, he utters again, voice pressed against her earlobe, because it's so just beautifully simple and small, and it shouldn't mean anything, but actually the idea of, like, how physically close they are as she's getting further and further away from a place that he can follow is he must be so terrified, and he's still, like, right there, pressed up against her, and it really captures what we see constantly with Styles, and that, like, he's always going to put Lydia ahead of him, I guess, until you know, he can't anymore, but then at the end of the thick he gets right back to that place where he's, like, I, I have to put you ahead of me, and, like, even though I broke up with you, I can't even, like, live like this anymore, I've just got to keep putting you ahead of me, because it's more important than my own emotional well-being, almost.
2: I love the role that Scott plays in that, too, where Scott's, like hey, like, are you actually better now that you guys have broken up? Like, has this made the situation better? Or, you know, would it make more sense for you to actually be there for her? So I, I love I love Scott in this this fic. And I love, too, his relationship with Lydia and the parallels. Oh, my God, the parallels between Scott and Lydia. I, I am such a sucker for those because the show has
3: unfortunately not done a great job. <laughs> <laughs> We're exploring that. It's like, um, can we just mention Skyle's moments to uh, getting him out of the panic attack via Lydia on the phone? And he's like, I'm so proud of you, buddy. And I'm just like, anytime Scott calls Styles' buddy, I'm just like, a puddle. They're my bros. I just love them. I
0: mean, every time, I, I feel like every time there's a scene with Scott, like, it, he really is, maybe even in canon at this point, um, the. Bridge that keeps them together in a lot of ways because, you know, they. Scott's the reason neither of them can really let each other go. He's always going to be that middleman. And like the fact that he raises the volume on the phone so that Styles can hear Lydia talking, I personally feel like he wouldn't do that if he didn't think Lydia would be okay with it, so I think that he's, like, taking care of both of them simultaneously without even having to say a single damn word, and I think that's just so Scott, and it's just astounding, and I have so many headcanons about Scott in this fic and the way he's perceiving all of this, and I feel like I would pretty please enjoy uh another sequel yeah
1: just keep this going forever
0: um can we talk about I only jerk off to you I don't want to be that guy but I'm picturing like him being so it's so heartfelt like Lydia I only jerk off to you oh come on
3: probably true like you know he says that so earnestly yeah just yeah
0: he really Sorry. means it from the bottom of his heart
3: it's this moment
2: where he recognizes that she because he stopped her right that she's she's feeling vulnerable like does he actually still want me like what's going on and so him saying that and then just reinforcing it with a, yeah of course the only person I jerk off to is you I mean who, who else would I do that with you know like I just love that so much
0: the line this is i think this is my favorite line in the entire fic which is her expression wavers with vulnerability as if she thinks he doesn't want her anymore as if her face isn't the most lovely thing he's seen her body the most beautiful thing he's ever touched and her mind the most attractive thing he's ever experienced as if he doesn't love Lydia Martin with all of his heart and whatever's left of his soul. Yeah,
2: one of my, uh, another one of my, I have a lot of favorite scenes, if it's not obvious yet, um, but that goes along with that is the, the scene in the airplane, oh, where they're making yes. out, and she accidentally hits her head on, <laughs> on the window. Like, it's just such a simple moment, but it's so intimate that it just makes my heart swell, like the whole he helps her shift her body away from the window so that her head is on the cushion seat he smooths down her hair feeling for a bump I mean it's just again it's written so simply but so beautifully and profoundly and it just feels like it feels like you're kind of seeking into this intimate moment between two people that you're like I probably shouldn't be watching this or reading this but I love it and I'm going to continue doing it
0: you know the fact that he like starts off like he's very he's like flirting with her in this scene and like it's he's like very sexy and just like confident which you know it's it's almost hard to picture styles like that but also it's not because i don't know it's freaking Dylan O'Brien can fight me um, I, the fact that he starts off so um just like boom and then suddenly he just goes he just like his entire demeanor changes in 2 seconds because oh hey Lydia Martin's in danger like she hit her head we must take care of her now like it doesn't matter that i'm knuckle deep in her <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she might have a bruise you guys we need to stop can we talk about when she realizes he read her paper we've all been in that spot where someone who means the absolute world to you finally reads something that you wrote like the fact that he knows nothing that is in the paper but read it and looked it up and it's like doing research on her research paper which is such a style thing mm-hmm. but yeah that so much. That is incredible. And he
0: catches a typo and puts this, like, smug, yeah. smiley face. Oh, and also he writes, what the fuck? <laughs> and the he underlines what the fuck. Yep. Does someone want to talk about what happened with Mason? Because I'm too emotional to go into this. Are you
2: talking about when when she comes back to California and Mason's like, are they still fighting? And Scott's like, yeah, they broke up. And he's like, oh, so they're still fighting.
0: The description of Styles when Lydia sees him in person for the first time I think is what actually sets it apart for me. Like it feels like you're seeing someone across the room or like whatever, across the Empire State Building. I could sleep with Seattle. Since you Broke up. It feels like this epic moment, despite the fact that, like, they were literally getting each other off, like, two hours ago in a dream, but, like, the, f- it's, like, the description is he's holding a beer in one hand loosely, and he's wearing a blue flannel, flannel with rolled up sleeves on top of a gray shirt and dark wash jeans, and I don't know why, but, like, just the description of seeing him, like, holding the beer like that, and, like, she sees him, and It just, it feels like, Don't You Forget About Me should be playing in the background, like this is the end of The Breakfast Club, we're fist pumping, like this is going to happen now. It's so great.
3: It's just like such a fulfilling moment.
2: Another bit that I absolutely love, Um, and it's basically when they finally kind of talk things out, Lydia's explaining to him that he makes her feel alive, and then Style says, but I want to see you feel alive on your own. I want you to be happy all the time. And... That for me is like, it's just such an important line because I think it's so indicative of just how much he loves her. The fact that he he wants her to be able to make herself happy and he he wants her to be happy all the time. And it's regardless of whether or not he's in her life. Just one of the, the most beautiful expressions of love in the entire
0: fic. Especially because Styles is such a selfish character, and like I will say that over and over again. that some people will fight me on that. I think he's just he loves so selflessly. She loves her so selflessly, but also so like terrifyingly recklessly.
1: One of my favorite scenes again is the scene where Lydia slept with somebody, and then wakes up with uh, Styles in her dream next to her, and like the realization that they both have that like she's sleeping with somebody that's not him. <laughs> just like the imagery of that and just like the uncomfortableness that like came from it. You know, it was almost kind of like somber almost. She's living this life without him, but he's still like very much so a part of it. Part of it too is, I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of humor in that scene
2: as well. Um, and I love the humor that gets sprinkled throughout the fic because it is, it is quite a somber fic overall. I mean, where she's setting it up that they're they're not together. You know, um, but the, just the whole idea about her, you know, especially in that scene, Lydia realizing she's like, why am I holding this sheet up against myself? Like, why Why am I doing this? And then her kind of taking the moment to, like, take the T-shirt out and put it on, and then her realizing that it's one of his old T-shirts, you know, it just kind of adds to this awkwardness and this kind mm-hmm. of, like, you know, as a reader, you can kind of giggle at it, like, oh, you sweet summer children like just (laughs) fix yourselves you know but you know in the moment of course it's 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 just super awkward and super funny
1: and of course it's a shirt like of course and
3: the fact that it's
2: available in her dream
3: I think in the drawer it's only style shirts in her dream I think that's what's in there
1: Ooh, her mind is conspiring against her wishes. <laughs> Whatever, that's
3: my theory. I'm
1: sticking to. I like
0: theory. it. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that one. Lydia must have made the active decision to like sleep with somebody else who isn't Styles, which I I would assume would probably be difficult for her because it's like attempting to close a door that's still really open for her because of the dreams, and then the fact that like her punishment is that Styles <laughs> knows the second it happens. <laughs> It's awful. That
2: sucks. Thinking about Lydia's relationship with sex and and how she uses sex, I think she's able to disassociate, you know, sex with emotions. So she's able to, to to be with somebody and recognize that, you know, having sex with them doesn't mean that she has to be with them or really care about them deeply. It's something that she's able to explore on her own and feel comfortable in her own body. And I love that, you know, that, that scene is written without judgment. You know, like, oh sure, she's with this, this other guy and it's fine and she's having a good time and she's really tired and she falls asleep and she wakes up next to Styles. <laughs> she's, she actually probably really wants to be with but she's not, she's not in a place, you know, both physically and emotionally to open herself back up to him yet.
0: She's thinking about him which is just I don't know I felt like it was such a nice touch like because you can absolutely write Lydia in a way where she's like having this experience without any emotional repercussion like in that moment because I mean I'm sure she could like throw it over her shoulder and just forget about it but nope Styles is like right there she's thinking about him the whole time and it's it's almost kind of sad because she can't even escape it even as she's like doing something that's an active attempt to escape him
2: other like really funny bit too that i i love so i love it when scott called lydia sonic down there sonic like i was like that's that's perfect i love that so much (laughs) um and then the other bit is where lydia's like i could i could swear she heard him say like dude don't divorce her you know like the little little bits of humor in in that final scene Mm -hmm. I just I really enjoy like my headcanon if we're gonna headcanon this fic is that he that just becomes her nickname right (laughs) like Scott
3: just calls Lydia Sonic especially after seeing what she's able to do
2: with her scream
3: speaking of power can we just talk about the imagery of that scene where she actively decides to use her scream to kill that bitch Christina Christina I don't know I hate her, whatever, that's her name. But just knowing that she has this power, and then she's like, looks her dead in the eyes and's like, you know what? It's going down.
0: i yelling, Timber. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, Pitbull. Oh, it is death itself ripping itself away from Lydia's soul and hurtling towards the two werewolves. Like,
0: God, she's death itself. How badass is oh. that? <laughs> the, that scene, that whole thing, the way it was written in slow motion, I just think is absolutely stunning I think it was one of the best descriptions in the entire fic just like the the fact that like every particle of that scene I felt like I was understanding what was happening it was unfolding in this way that like just felt it felt so beautiful and just so it dragged in a way that it needed to and it was because this was like this was it like this is the thing that's gonna solve everything and like it's great that Styles and Lydia solved their problems before this happened but this literally makes it so that Scott can make that joke of, like, dude, don't divorce her, because now Lydia is not going to keep on, like, playing the way she's been playing. She finally knows how to get to a place where she can, like, live a life out with Styles, and, you know, they can be 83, and he's chasing her down the street when she's in a fugue state, trying to shove a <laughs> coat onto her.
3: <laughs> Wait, can we just watch that scene in our minds for a little bit? <laughs> like, it, that scene is so interesting and so important, because it's the moment when...
2: You know, Lydia is confronting these people who have hurt her and hurt people that she loves, and she makes the conscious decision to hurt them back. You know, and I think in that moment she she recognizes the part of her I think that's most in line or most in tune with the darkness that's in Styles, so like that that selfishness, right? That she wants to protect the people that she loves and protect protect innocent people, but at the same time, you know, beware if you hurt her that. Or the people she loves, because she will mess you up, right? Like, I mean, so there, that moment the the death, that, that death kind of incarnate that's flowing from her body. I think that's really the moment when, when she recognizes that she can handle this and she can be all right because she's making the choice to, to not save everybody and recognize that she can't save everybody.
0: I just want to talk about that, the line that like really made me think a lot, which was, um. She always gets the impression that he thinks she doesn't love him quite as much as he does her, which is ridiculous because often Lydia thinks she loves him more. And I just think that this is, like, this line is universally applicable across, like, fanfics. I I just love the idea of Lydia, like, being completely aware of the fact that, like, Styles is always kind of going to think that he loves her more, but, like, he's also going to be okay with that, whereas Lydia, like, loves him so fiercely that sometimes she doesn't know how to express it, and it becomes, like, difficult for her to, like, show him that same kind of intimacy just because of who she is. (laughs) Do you you guys want to speak to, like, Lydia's, like, how... how, Do you want to speak to this sentence?
1: Yeah, just going off what you said, Rachel, like, especially when you think about how, um, when you said, like, Lydia loves him so fiercely and, like, doesn't necessarily, like, it doesn't come across that way, or, like, she doesn't know how to, like, express that in, like, a proactive kind of way. And... It just made me think about the beginning, like, with, you know, when she's in the field of the daisies, like, with her with her parents, that, like, never, I don't know, she just, like, she was never shown, I'm getting, like, really, really, like, emotional, but, like, uh, she's just never been shown that kind of love that style shows. That's so important,
2: what you're saying, because it, it's so true, like, Lydia has not really been been shown how to love, um, even though that's doesn't necessarily diminish how she loves or how much she can love. Um, But I think, you know, Styles has been able to kind of show her, and we've even seen, I think, in the show, too, just with the way that he's he's treated her and the way that she's changed and evolved over time, that she's learning more about different kinds of love. Because for me, I always, you know, there are a lot of people that... You know, really put a lot of emphasis on romantic love, and but there are so many different types of love, and I it, like it bugs me when people don't put the same kind of weight um, with like platonic love and things like that. And I think seeing Styles and Lydia's relationship grow and mature in, in the way that it has, I think it, it's setting up a foundation, like a really important foundation, for them to have.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, like, about this this story in general, like, it really is kind of like an homage to, like, Lydia's love because she's acting as a very unselfish person in this fic. And it's not necessarily, like, romantic love or platonic love, but she's, like, showing a love for these complete strangers by, like, sacrificing her well being. She learned that from Scott
0: completely. That is from Scott. I don't think she would be that person without Scott at all, period.
3: I think she's also atoning for Allison. <laughs> wait, should I not have brought up Allison? No, I no go to ahead. Her. But <laughs> I mean, she has that whole scene where she thinks she could have saved her, which you know, she clearly could not have, but I think she's atoning.
1: Honestly, Claire, you've just sent me into a downward spiral. <gasps> That's going to be like all night for me. <laughs> oh, Christ, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I love, like, I love Lydia so much. Like, so just like even, oh God. Yeah, no, that was good. Good point,
0: Claire. It was beautiful. No, but I was, um... To steer things away from Maggie's tears, which are <laughs> actually coming down now, um, <laughs> I I was watching this these I well okay so last night it was like three a.m. and I was naturally watching old Dylan O'Brien interviews on YouTube, and um, <laughs> as one does as one does, <laughs> and I found this interview where he was saying that um, Styles is content to just sit back and love Lydia, um, even if she doesn't love him back, he's just okay with that, um, and I really think that that's. Captured here in a different way, because now that she loves him back, he's still willing to show her how much he cares about her, and how, like, under her his skin she is, even though he doesn't get that same reciprocation, like, when he's in a relationship with her, and this might be, like, expanding into my head canon territory, but I think you also do see it um, in this fic, and I, I really... I love the fact that Styles doesn't even, like, need that constant validation because he's never needed any sort of validation when it comes to Lydia as they've gone, like, from season three on. He just hasn't needed that at all. He's just, he's gonna be there and, like, he's going to, like, try to make everything okay for her even if she can't do the same for him because he doesn't think she wants to. And I just think that's one of the, it's one of the best things about Styles and it's one of the things about his character that, that makes his character, like, sufferable. <laughs>
1: next week we're going to review landlocked and light by ready machine sean and you can find her on tumblr with the same url ready machine.tumblr.com um i'm maggie and you can find me at redstring banshee
2: i'm claire and you can find me at fudgy the whale i'm rachel and you can find me at madgrad 2011
0: and i'm thing Two. <laughs> and you can <laughs> I'm Rachel as well. Um, and you can find me at Ron and thank you for listening. Bye. At Cydia Cast, we review and discuss our favorite Cydia Fix. If you enjoy the fic as much as we did, be sure to leave the author some love and encouragement. You can find us on Tumblr at the URL Stydia Cast or on Twitter at city underscore cast. A huge thank you to our editor, Rosemary, row your boat on Tumblr, for making this possible. And to you, our listener, for tuning into this episode. See you next time.